everyone. Uh, just a little quick uh, announcement before we begin. Um, uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to Sarah Levitz with her favorite films that are set in Paris. Um, we forgot to uh, read these out during the shout outs uh, during the episode. So I just wanted to quickly uh, just mention the films that she uh, wrote in uh, under my post that I put on Facebook. Uh, so she wrote uh, Sherrod, Lahaine, Gigi, The Dreamers, and Lorraine Margot. So, thank you very much for those films. On with the episode. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2... Are we making French movies now? Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast, another top 10 episode. I am joined by Adam Holmes over Zoom. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ça va? Oui, ça va bien, merci. Um, and that is about I, as much of French as I will be able to say on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I did not do well in, fr- in French class in school. Mine did not. No, no, I'm not very good at French either. Um, but I do like French cinema, le cinéma français. And I... Carrière du cinéma. <laughs> I do, uh, I do like, uh, I, I do like a, a, bit of, a bit of the nouvelle vague. I do like a bit of poetic realism. And I also like films that are... Um, uh, um, um, uh, you know, foreign films, um, by which I mean English-speaking films that are set in France. Uh, yes. And so, with that in mind, what are we what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be listing our top ten favorite films set in Paris. Boom! Yes, um, I the city love- of love. City of Lights. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 well, it's a city of cinema as well, isn't it? Because it's yeah, where, exactly. You know, um, it's 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 um, what's his name? Um, Francois Truffaut. Um, no, but the, the early cinema of Melier, uh, Voyage to the oh, Moon. Oh yeah, yeah, George, George Melier. Yeah, he was from Paris. Yeah, trip to Rome. No, trip. not trip to Rome. Trip, trip to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, yes. Uh, so you know, it's right there at the birth of cinema. It's also, uh, you know, if you allow me to be a little bit uh, pretentious, and why not? Because we're talking about French films. Um, you know, Paris is uh, is also, um, you know, in the late nineteenth century, it's it's the hub of modernity, uh, because you know you get the you get the Eiffel Tower, this modern building structure. You've got your uh, you've got your your impressionist painting. You've got your surrealist painting. You've got all this other um, business going on in uh, in Paris. And remember, in 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 and in, in, you know the turn of the century as well. Uh, you know, Paris is is the Paris that we know now that feels kind of old and lived in is relatively new because they had to rebuild the whole thing after the, uh, or after, after 1848. No, well, it was after the, anyway, this isn't the history podcast. What I'm trying to say is Paris is cinema and cinema is Paris. The two are, a two are together like cheese yeah. and wine. Um, so, um, so yeah, top 10 films set in Paris. This was really difficult. Uh, really, really difficult. Um, there are so many, th- I just thought of another film that we haven't got on our list that um, that that I kind of want to put on it, but um, but we'll have to put it in the honorable mentions. I will say one thing before we get started. Um, Amelie is not going on this fucking list. So you can, anyone, any of you twee little Audrey tattoo loving fucking millennial twats can turn this off now because we're not going to be talking about emily we're talking about other films oh no emily (laughs) yeah emily is the la la land of stupid (laughs) turn of the century trying to capture the american market european cinema rant over yes 
Okay. Now, um, I, I, <laughs> until, I, until, I'm sure we'll get loads of listeners writing in with that. <laughs> I, I do want to make a little quick announcement. Just, uh, I would like to say that uh, you're quitting. Thank, no, I'm not quitting. I'm just saying I would, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with your bullshit. Anders has resigned from the podcast. It's like I can't bear with anyone who doesn't like Amelie. You don't like Amelie. I like it. It's fine. It's <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's right, a charming little film. That's not what I wanted to talk about. What I did want to say is I do want to thank everyone that has um, uh, listened to the podcast this month. Um, we're quite nearing to we're, we're nearing a thousand downloads this month, which is like what? Pretty big. Um, that's amazing. But, yeah, I think. I mean, we're not. I mean, still got a ways to go, but like that's that's pretty pretty cool. Uh, that's yeah, well, today um, a thousand downloads. Tomorrow zero. Well, yeah. Well. well Steady on. We will. We'll, let's let's see where, where we are at the end of the month. But we that I I'm I'm just it's it's it does it's very uh, I'm flattered that people have you that just so many people. Into Sorry, I, gosh, I mean, uh, well, I don't think I mean you're downloading my podcast. It's just a really silly silly. Gosh, I mean, just uh, what am I trying to? Well, you know, uh, God. Well, very grateful. Yes, uh, all that. That's I just sounded like <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to say uh, thank you very much to everyone that has uh, downloaded and listened to the podcast uh, this the, well in general since we've started and also this month's old and new listeners uh, just want to say thank you yes and I want to say thank you as well even even to those of you who like the films that I don't like um, I'm I'm in a generous hearted mood this morning so let's get let's get going on this list eh yeah let's get going on this list at number ten is uh, Ratatouille. The Pixar film, Ratatouille, directed, written and directed by Brad Bird. I wanted to get an animated film on here because I feel like Paris lends itself so well to um, to cartoons. And obviously one of the ones that comes to mind immediately is the Aristocats, you know, and you say so you could make a case for that. You could make a case for any number of French um, uh, animated films. One of my favourites, of course, is The Triplets of Belleville, but there's not very much Paris in that, unfortunately, so it doesn't qualify. Um that ratatouille is just so delightful and it and it gets it it is you know it it renders which is truly the word um paris so brilliantly and it just makes you it 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 warms your heart in a way that a weekend in paris will um and um and i think also gets at one of the crucial elements of um of Parisian and French culture, which is food and restaurants. Anthony Bourdain, the late great Anthony Bourdain, was a really big fan of this movie and how it uh, realistically uh, portrays how it is in a kitchen. Everything from like cuts on people's hands and the way that people look and the the, the sort of personalities and the way they act in the restaurants. They he he felt like they nailed that pretty well, and also just the way that the food is presented and the way that you know, the animation works and all that sort of stuff. I think they did a pretty good job with that. And also just the way that they recreated like Paris and made it look, it's animated, but it looks so like realistic in so many ways. I mean, it's, 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 it's a slightly postcard, you know, vision of, of, of Paris. Yeah, but it is, exactly. It is, it's super, um, it, 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 it's absolutely familiar. And I think in, in the same way that New York has certain um, cinematic, preconceptions for people who both for people who've been there and people who haven't I think Paris has that and so this this kind of just ticks the boxes so if you like if you know Paris if you've been to Paris you find familiarity in it and if you haven't you you know you're presented with the Paris of your dreams and there's nothing wrong with sometimes presenting the dreams uh, the dreamscape on screen um the other thing yeah. about Ratatouille is it's hilarious it's, it's so really funny. funny it's really yeah. really funny there's the voice cast 
the voice cast is amazing. You got Patton Oswalt, you got Ian Holm, the late great Ian Holm, you got Janine Garofalo, Peter O'Toole as well Peter as O'Toole. as as the Anton uh, Ego. Anton Ego. Oh, the scene when he eats the ratatouille at the end is one of the best moments in Spoiler animation. Alert. Spoiler alert! But <laughs> he no. eats the ratatouille, everyone. <laughs> no, but he eats the ratatouille. He has that flashback, doesn't he? Yeah, he has that little flashback, and it's just such a real like. It's such a like really heartwarming moment, and like the writing of the film is really good. Like I feel like it, it was. I think it was nominated for uh, a screenplay Oscar at the at the at the Oscars. Is it? Okay, yeah, nice. But it did win. It did win uh, best animated feature. Well, it was back then when Pixar was just cleaning up, weren't they? I mean, that was yeah. Just, yeah. They, they may as well just have called it the Pixar Oscar. Um, <laughs> best animated Pixar Oscar. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what have Pixar made a film this year? All right, Brad, come and get it. Like you know. Um, anyway, it's. I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen Ratatouille. I can't wait to watch it again. I hope that um, that us talking about it will uh, prompt them to do yeah. the same. I actually did try to make the Ratatouille dish at the end. You mean you tried to make it at the end of? Of the, no, the, 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 you tried to make the ratatouille dish that appears in the end of the film recently. in real life because when you the way you said it it sounded like i tried to make it at the end like, that sounded sort of ominous like when no, no, what, no, 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 no. you died like, <laughs> no no i meant to say i i won my I, last act on this earth sorry i uh, i <laughs> well did you have a flashback no i didn't have a flashback no a while ago i did try to make the ratatouille dish that is at the end of the film that's what i meant to say Okay, we're going to cut all of this out. Let's go to number nine. <laughs> anyway, at number nine is a film that's very much the opposite of Ratatouille, and that is the 2007 film Tell No One. Yeah, so um, uh, Paris is very romantic, of course, um, and very romanticised. Yes. And um, what did you say? Yes, I said yes. Oh, you said yes. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> Zoom is challenging sometimes. Uh, it's very romantic, very romanticised, um, but um, it's also a big city, and in big cities you've got crime um and so uh, paris has given birth to a hell of a lot of really really good thrillers and i wanted to put this one on the list because it's more recent um and uh, i think it has kind of you know it's not as well remembered as it perhaps could be despite i think being a you know a really great thriller yeah it has fallen into into obscurity i don't really see that many people talking about it because i remember when we watched this on dvd you i think we watched it together and i was like wow this is a really cool movie i really hope like everyone gets to see this but no one really talks about it anymore it's it's a shame it's a really great film really effectively made there are some really just like thriller sequences in there in fact at one point he gets chased through a a so-called ganguette which is an incredibly parisian institution it's essentially a restaurant come bar where you sit and people walk around singing old you know french oh, uh, and um i actually went to that ganguette in paris the one he gets chased through uh in the early scene so that's my claim to fame oh, um, nice. but um it, it, it's um you know, it, it it presents Paris in sort of a, I think, a more modern way. It shows the, the so-called banlieue, you know, the outskirts of Paris, which are, um, you know, which are quite sort of segregated in terms of that's where um, non-white Parisians live, where immigrants live, and where there has been, you know, a lot of... Um, uh, crime, of course, because of, um, you know, housing segregation and unequal uh, treatment of these people, but also where there's a lot of, you know, 
police presence uh, and you know it's a very different Paris from what you see uh, in Ratatouille or in you know when you're a tourist so I think it's important that it shows that it also I think really tries to present Paris as a modern uh, city you know and um, you know as in a regular city where people live and exist and have normal lives they don't just walk around you know with a baguette under their arm smoking a gouloir um, and so um, playing the French accordion <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, so, so there's so there's a sense of of realness to it, and it feels like a film that wasn't, even though it's based on an American novel, it's not made. It doesn't have the Amelie problem of like obviously being made for a foreign audience. It's a film that, um, despite having Kristen Scott Thomas in it, I think um, feels very much made for for anyone you know uh it's not trying to court any specific uh audience so it's a really good thriller i think if i was going to criticize it it's that the ultimate denouement might not be as satisfying as in terms of the thriller part of the um the way it works out might not be as satisfying but the emotional impact i think is very um very strong and also, I feel it's also a film that I like where it respects the audience and it gives you all the information, you know, in a very sort of economical way, like when you actually need to know this bit of information, like it gives like a really good mystery, like the beginning of the film, you know, it has this kind of like romantic kind of, you know, bit. And then it turns into a bit of a bit of a thriller straight away. And then we flash forward a few years and then boom oh shit my wife might be alive like it's about a guy my who wife. My <laughs> wife. it's about it's about a, it's about a man who um well we, we, we've, we've talked about this on a recommendation episode so we've, we've given the summary but essentially yeah a bloke thinks his wife's dead but she isn't um and that's good because he wants her to be alive um but um but obviously there's there's complications um it is really yeah. really um suspenseful it's full of great characters um and um yeah, I think it's 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 a great modern thriller. Yeah, and Michael Caine said it was one of the best films that he had seen in two thousand and seven. When I went to the cinema in two thousand and seven, I saw a lot of shit, but tell no one. I'm going to tell everyone to see tell no one because it's a good film. <laughs> Very uh, good. It, it only got a limited release, and <laughs> <laughs> I like Christian Scott Thomas. Yeah. She's a wonderful performer. Um, okay, yes. well, enough. Uh, what's at number eight? Uh, no, number eight is the film that you recommended on a Holmes Movies Recommends episode. Um, I haven't seen this movie yet, but I do like mm. Jean Renoir. So the... my recommendation. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else has watched it, uh, maybe after listening to the episode. But it's the film uh, Voodoo, Safe, uh, Voodoo Saved from Drowning, directed by Jean Renoir, who was a real uh, prolific uh, director during the sort of French poetic realism period in the sort of time before the Nazis invaded. I really wanted to have um, a film on this list that I think come, you know, that comes from this time, that comes from the 30s. Um, one of the film, the candidates that I thought of was Jean Vigo's Atalante, which has some great scenes in Paris, but it's by no means all set in Paris. So I was like, well, maybe save that for another Holmes movies, but Atalante, one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, you could talk about um, uh, you could talk about the rules of the game, which is set just outside Paris, but is obviously very preoccupied with class and status and uh, modern life and all these very Parisian uh, 
themed, but it doesn't take place in Paris, so that doesn't count. Uh, a lot of the other films that are made at this time take place, um, you know, in other places. You've got the Pepe Lamoco, which takes place in North Africa. You've got um, uh, 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 the Port of Shadows, which I think is like La Havre or somewhere like that. Um, so it's a little bit like difficult to find a bona fide like Paris film from the 1930s than this period and especially um i wanted to find one directed by renoir who's become one of if not my favorite director so um voodoo safe from drowning is in, an intensely charming film it's an early renoir sound film um 1932 uh it's got the incomparable michelle simon in the main part it's kind of a sequel to another film that could have been on this list which is uh, la chienne the bitch um which uh, is a is a classic um you know rich guy falls for um criminal um woman who strips him of his dignity and his money and he ends up as a homeless person and even though voodoo is not necessarily this guy he is played by the same actor he does begin the film as a homeless vagrant living in the park and he loses his dog he attempts to kill himself by throwing himself into the Seine, uh, which is all filmed on location and he ends up being rescued by um, a bookshop owner um i think it's a bookshop owner Oh, anyway, a guy who has a shop on the banks of the Seine and uh, chaos and hilarity ensues, but it's an incredibly sort of whimsical and and uh, and sweet film as well as being sort of funny and having a lot to say, like all Renoir films having a lot to say. And it's great kind of watching Renoir in this film develop some of the ideas that he's going to bring to fruition at the end of the decade with um, uh, with the, uh, the Grand Illusion and the rules of the game. So uh, I know you haven't seen it, but there are a couple of films on this list that I haven't seen either, but I think you've got to have Renoir on there got to have yeah. the 1930s and I, I really say to people like i know like 1930s oh fucking that's ages ago it's nearly 100 years old but seriously the films that came out of france a lot of the films anyway that came out of france in this period feel so fresh so uh delightful uh and so interesting to our modern eyes still i really i know that i often go on about old cinema but i think these films renoir's films in particular are still incredibly accessible and i would urge people to watch them voodoo can be found a lot of places including on the criterion channel so go watch it people oh that's good i will i will definitely see it i will watch voodoo save from drowning and any other films of john wenwas that are on uh the criterion channel or anywhere else that are available um for a while there was like a box set that you could get but i think it's like out of print i don't know bastards yeah they, they should they, there should be a law that renoir's films are available to everyone anytime but what do i know um i mean it's, I mean, it, it's I mean it's amazing that the films Ooh. exist even especially yeah. when the Nazis tried to burn quite a lot of the copies, including the rules of the game. And I think the uh, Grand Illusion as the well. Grand Illusion, yeah, which is, and that's a story for another time. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was declared kind of a an enemy. And yeah. uh, well, that's why he escaped to America, where he did not have a great, really great time of it. But you know what? We're not no. here to do the biography of Renoir. We are here to talk about films set in Paris. It is a top 10. I have things to do. You have things to do. Our listeners have things to do. What's at number seven? At number seven is uh, Krzysztof Kozlowski's film Three Colors Blue, the first film in the Three Colors trilogy. I am such an idiot because in the trilogy, it's blue, white, and red. And I thought that was really cool. You got Three Colors Blue, Three Colors White, and Three Colors Red. I didn't really realize until after watching Three Colors Blue, oh, it's the French flag. That's really cool. I thought that was, and it's sort of like representing sort of different aspects of said flag and i thought that was that was 
that was quite nice. Like the sort of the, the, the French revolutionary ideals, liberty, equality, and fraternity. The subject of the film of this film is liberty, uh, mainly um, emotional liberty as the film. You haven't seen this movie, have you? Well, I was going to say, yeah, from a film you haven't seen to a film I haven't seen. I mean, this is a real shameful omission on my part, but um, yeah, I never, I have not watched any of these films. So what's it, what, tell, tell me what, what's, uh, what's it all about? So it, th this is a very like cold and very bleak film as it deals uh, with grief as Juliette Binoche plays a woman called Julie, who is, uh, the wife of a composer in the beginning of the film she loses her husband and her daughter in a car accident and basically throughout the whole film is just her um, cutting herself off from everyone and sort of not having any connection to anyone even the person that she's this man who was working with her husband who she's also having an affair with like she's pretty much just you know, kind of haunted by it. And I think it's it's one of the films where it, it realistically captures that aspect of grief without the kind of like, you know, that sort of like, oh, 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 kind of thing. It's sort of, it you know, because I feel like people who grieve, they do it in a very sort of different kind of way. And I feel like Juliette Binoche captures that um, in an extremely um, compelling and very moving uh, kind of way. And... It is a fantastic film. Uh, she did win uh, the Volpe Cup for Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival. And she won a Césaire Award. She was nominated for a Golden Globe, which are pretty redundant right about now. Um, in 2007, The Guardian readers, they, they, it, was in, it was number 29 in the 40 greatest foreign films of all time. Um, I think this was like a real... A uh, big break for her because after that she got uh, cast in the English Patient and she won the Oscar for that. So yeah, it kind of it, it sort of the film introduced her to a um, an international audience. Well, Julia Binoche is, is one of the great great actors of our time. Um, yes, I just love is. her. I, she's wonderful in everything. I mean, and she's just luminous i mean absolutely uh, incredible so no i i must i must i must i must watch these films is she in all of them um yeah it's like it's not like they like all the three films are like different plots but they do feature all the sort of characters from all the films so it's not like they're like it's like you have to see one to understand the other kind of thing so it's like each of them i think white is more of a comedy and then red is something different basically hmm Okay. Well, I have them all in like a box set. Uh, so I definitely want to try and check them out because I've only seen Three Colors Blue and I would like to watch the other two films. Apparently Red is supposed to be the best of, of the three, according really? to people who I've who have seen mm. it. And um and I would like to watch more of Krzysztof uh, uh, Kislovsky's films, who is uh, Polish. I did watch one of his films called The Double Life of Veronique at film school. And uh, that, which is also a very uh, beautiful film with um, uh, uh, actress Irene Jacob. There's a history of Polish artists doing well in Paris. I was Frederick Chopin uh, comes to mind. Uh, he was Polish, um, but um, it's also interesting. You know, grief is such a universal um, emotion, and not yeah. a lot of films get made about it, which is interesting, especially when you consider that. Uh, you know, it's it 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 is a, an emotion that is completely devoid of class. Everyone has to go through it. Um, 
but it's it is that thing we don't go to the movies to be confronted with real emotions do we we, we go yeah. to escape so it's it's refreshing when films approach these subjects um but yeah you've made a case for it i must i must go see it uh or i must see it uh on dvd or whatever uh might borrow your borrow your box set. <laughs> yeah but be prepared it is a very sort of it, it's very heavy and it's not you know it's 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 a very sort of slow and brooding film but in a very kind of you know engaging and very compelling kind of way well i i um i uh you've used the word compelling a lot there but uh i'm gonna <laughs> watch it um compelling is a word that's really in fashion nowadays everything is compelling people talk about um performances and films and books and and recipes and fucking i don't know uh anyway um i was very compelled by the next film on our list uh, which i watched recently yeah so did i actually after you brought it up in our whatsapp chat and that is the film elevator to the gallows which was louis male's uh first film as a director and it was at Probably the age my isn't it louis male louis male it's like a porn name um louis louis mal would that it were so simple uh, yeah. would that it were so simple would that it uh, were <laughs> sorry um, so um the movie is called... really feels like you're having a breakdown like... <laughs> <laughs> so yes elevator so the to movie the is called elevator to the gallows it's yes, called I, well sorry, you want to talk about it so i thought <laughs> i introduced you to two days ago now you are mr big like big knowledge about it i was just going to say the, the english the uk title is called lift to the scaffold that's shit isn't it <laughs> it's not as sexy <laughs> no i mean uh what's the french title is uh l'assence uh something or other Paul um, i don't know what echafo is i'm guessing gallows uh let's see what uh is uh how do i spell that s -ch oh, is it e c h a f a u d the uk one is uh let, i will i will go on the record to say the uk title is more correct in terms of the translation the american title is better in terms of what it conveys because this ladies and gentlemen is a film noir um in the truest sense i mean yes it's also french new wave but um it has the classic film noir plot two lovers decide to kill the husband of the wife and run off with the money and you know it doesn't quite work out that and way shenanigans ensue <laughs> yeah shenanigans ensue uh it's very compelling uh and is um has you know it, it's so funny because when i first read the plot for this i was like oh it's just a remake of fucking double indemnity or postman uh, postman rings twice or whatever postman always rings twice what's it called postman always rings twice yeah also a bit of trivia about the postman always rings twice it's been remade it's been adapted at least four times once in france yeah. once in italy twice in america oh yeah los sessione isn't it in italy yeah um, and uh visconti got into a lot of problems because he didn't exactly get the rights for the for the book ah it's an awkward boss uh, <laughs> uh this um uh, this is a this is very much you could say is an adaptation of uh, Postman Always Rings Twice, although it's got a bit more going on because it's sort of about like the man who's um, killed the husband is someone who's sort of profiting from the war in Algeria. There's a kind of moral ethical component there. The um, the lover is um, is uh, well, he let's just he's a veteran of of the uh, conflict in Algeria, but also in uh, Indochina, what's uh, now Vietnam. 
Um, and um, but I think the first thing to say about this film is the cinematography is just so beautiful. I mean, talk about yeah. like shadows and light and uh, using the city, the Parisian streetscape to kind of evoke a mood you know with these nightclubs and cafes and the sort of quiet streets with uh, the lights of passing vehicles um and um and the second thing to say about this film is almost kind of miraculously it has an original not not just a uh, uh, you know adapted uh, uh soundtrack but it has an original score by miles davis i've um, actually i actually listened to this album, a bit of this album before I actually had seen the film like a while ago because I was kind of, um, I really like Miles Davis's music and I heard it and I was like, oh, this, oh, that, I've heard this music before. It works very well with the movie and really kind of sets the tone of the film. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, uh, it's so good. It, it's so perfect. I, I, I think as well, just worth noting as a little sidebar, le jazz of course le jazz american is very, uh, is another part of Parisian history, of course, because a lot of, um, especially a lot of black uh, artists from America in the early 20th century who couldn't get, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the careers they wanted in the States because of the um, system of racial apartheid that was in force here and in many ways still is, went to Paris to have, you know, great success. And the most notable of those is obviously Josephine Baker. Um, but you've also got your Sidney Bechet's and, um, and there are... Um, there are a number of, of examples of um, of black writers, of black musicians who've gone to Paris. And James Baldwin is one of them, right? Over the years, yeah. I mean, the, 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 there's a lot of um, uh, there's a there's a fine tradition of that, and um, there's actually a good book oh, by who's uh, uh, the name of the author. I can't remember which is. Um, uh, I can't remember is. Um, Riveting conversation, this is. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Two, give me two seconds. All right. Ah, it's, it's, it's called William Gardner. The author's called William Gardner Smith, and the, the book's called The Stone Face. Um, really great book about a, um, a, 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 a another um, a fictional, although, you know, loosely based on Smith himself, writer who goes to, um, to Paris. Um, and he also, you know, talks a lot about the war in Algeria. But anyway... This is just a. This is like one of these great, like, suspenseful um, film noir plots. It's it almost feels Hitchcock esque because some of the situations they put the characters in feel almost like sadistically comic. Uh, yeah, I know. Way. I was just watching it. I was just going like, "Oh, that's so good and so oh, if you did, oh, it's just amazing. Just oh, it's so. I mean, it's there's some moments. There's one particular moment involving a piece of rope where I was just like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, um, there's a lot of that in this movie there is uh, there's also um a guy that, that, that literally gets stuck in an elevator for half the film um which is like, infuriating um and um and then yeah you've got these other characters who come in and and cause chaos as well um yeah it's uh it's extremely um extremely well done a lot of the french new wave films and i know we're going to talk about more of them is that you know they can be sometimes accused at their worst of just kind of aping um uh american cinema or sort of doing kind of a pastiche this is taking you know well-established as well-established uh, mood and mode and genre and um style and transposing it perfectly um, yeah um, i always 
I always felt like film noir, particularly this kind of film noir, works extremely well in France. I, I mean, in Paris in general, because it just it just I feel like the 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 architecture of Paris really lends itself quite well to film noir, but also just I love the fact that you know before with film noir they shot a lot on sets and i feel like with french new wave they were really you know they were shooting on location and you doing new using new techniques and things like that and i feel like you know i don't know how big the budget was in this movie but i feel like they used the location very well to set tone and mood and give a real good sense of how this movie is supposed to feel and the music really helps as well and i just you know black and white cinematography like is amazing and you know black and white french movies are, are just amazing in general yeah couldn't agree more and uh, just worth saying as well the final piece of the puzzle with this film is jean moreau whose performance is yeah she's great fabulous so um yeah so watch elevators to the gallows it is on the criterion channel as we speak yes uh, it is also available through other means so um yeah. it's also an hour and a half long so no excuse not to watch it yes also, I will say the cinematographer who worked on the film, Henri uh, Descartes, he worked a lot with the French New Wave directors like Jean-Pierre Melville and Claude Chabrol and Francois Truffaut. So he was like, you know, he worked a lot with those guys. He was Mr. Mr. He was like the Roger Deakins of the French New Wave. Exactly. When you watch this film, you'll understand why people would want to work with him. The cinematography in this is, it's like, it's so good it feels like you can scoop it up with a spoon and eat it. It's just like yeah it's perfect it's it's like listening to vinyl it's like it's so rich i love it but you feel um, like you're there as well it really yeah, you, yeah, just, yeah. you just you just you just want to be in the movie it's such a mood this film i love it i love it so much i can't wait to watch it again uh, yes. uh, <laughs> um Okay, what's uh, did we hear from anyone this week? Uh, yeah, we did. We didn't hear so much on the on the Twitter, but we did hear from a couple of people. Um, uh, straight to DVD at Straight to DVD Pod. Uh, they wrote, "Lehen is such a great look at a grittier version of Paris than what we're used to seeing." You've never seen Lehen, have you? No, I haven't. But um, but yeah, uh, I I know that that is true. Um, so um, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, uh, but uh, I will. I will absolutely. It's on the list. Yeah, it's really good. It's a. It's a good comeback and white. You know, cinematography. Yeah, and it's amazing. And also, Vincent Cassell, uh, Vincent Cassell is absolutely incredible in this movie. And um, it would. I think it would make for a good companion piece with uh, "Do the Right Thing." Interesting. Anyone else get in touch on the Twitter? Uh, someone who you follow, Aunt Auntie Social. Auntie Social. Yes. Hello. At at Tio Veg Weg. Yep uh who who is this person it's adam oh it's adam not me there's my friend adam <laughs> it's like the other adam yeah all right he wrote diva yeah, his, his 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 twitter name is auntie social which i like a lot okay um, i got yeah. i got Hi, confused adam. it sounded like a bot or something i got confused about who it was. No, no, no. okay he wrote diva in, in an exclamation point yes well uh Bien sûr. Uh, we shall see where Diva comes on this list. Um, yeah, I did post on I did post on Facebook because Twitter was not being helpful enough for us. So I just um, we did get some we had uh, to use other means. You know, come on, people, get in touch. Yeah, I know people love French movies. Like you know, just you know, it doesn't have to be an old film. Just say if it's like, oh, I really like Irreversible or uh, or something else that's set in Paris, like Ronin or something like that. I don't know, just. Thing, yeah, you know, say something, anything, like, Amelie, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not so, going to list, but you can say it, and then we, you've identified yourself as an idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, your friends, uh, most of a few family friends as well from from my side also uh, uh, commented on a post I put on Facebook. Uh, Alexis Bouvier, he wrote Lair Untouchables. Oh, man, you just butchered poor uh, <laughs> uh, Alexis Bouvier. Alexi, Alexi Bouvier. He's one of my most loyal listeners, and you just fucked up saying his name. He's going to turn it off now. <laughs> poor Alexi. Sorry, man. Is it, is it Alexi or Alexis? Alexi. Alexi. Sorry, I'm saying how it was. It's it's Look, looking. What is he right? I knew you were going to like say something. I knew I was going to get the name wrong, and then you were going to say, "Ah, oh, you butchered his name." I'm, I'm see. I'm psychic. No, um, you're just terrible so- at names. <laughs> It's not being psychic if you know you're going to fuck something up and you know that I am going to call you out on it. That does not make you psychic. That makes you a fuck up. <laughs> so he wrote Le Untouchables, uh, which I have not seen, uh, which I really want to. Either. What's that? What's that? The French uh, Al Capone yeah. film? No, uh, the un- he it's- sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. He comes at you as a baguette. You go at him with a uh, steak tartare. A croissant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Paris way. <laughs> um... I think we just I think we're going to lose getting <laughs> listeners in Paris and France now. Oh I don't know how do he. I don't think he could ever have imagined that commenting on one Facebook post would have this many consequences. <laughs> it's did the he film. Say anything else? Uh, yeah, he did. It's it's the Untouchables. It's the film. Uh, it's the French. Well, I know the Untouchables is what. <laughs> it's with uh, Francois. It's with Francois Clouzet from An Omar Sy uh, from Jurassic World. Uh, Francois Clouzet was in um, in uh, Tell No One. I know. Uh, he also wrote Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Always bringing a crap to a croissant for a croissant fight. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, just, <laughs> get out of here, you bastard. I want him dead. I want his family dead. I want I this house burnt to the ground. ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he died squealing like a pig. That turned him into pate. And um, he gets back on the track. Okay. Now. He wrote okay, he wrote a few films. He wrote Layers and he wrote The Untouchables, Moulin Rouge, which I haven't seen, the Baz Luhrmann film, Taken, oh, which does that. take place in Paris, the Liam Neeson film. Alexi, what? <laughs> Ratatouille. Oh yeah, there we go. And uh Amelie. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I have to have words. Okay. <laughs> I had lunch with this guy three months ago. Okay. Uh, our, our good friend Beth Hardy, she wrote Mood, Indigo, and Tell No One. Ah, you see. Tell No One. That's good. I, I don't know Mood, Indigo. I've never even I think it's a uh, Michelle Gondry film. Mm. Okay. Who did Internal uh, Sunshines of the Spotless Mind. Internal Sunshines. It, eternal. Okay. I um, said it, I said eternal. Did I say okay, it? I Zoom is challenging. Move on. <laughs> uh Patricia Ulham from Denmark, uh daughter of um one of my mum's uh, one of our mum's uh good friends. Uh she wrote yeah. Midnight in Paris uh and Ooh, My My Old Lady, directed by Israel Horovitz. I have never heard of that film. I must I'll admit. look it, I'll look it up later after this. Uh Bjarne, Bjarne Druniak. Kleunik. What? I just couldn't say anyone's name. Just call him Bjarne. Bjarne. Bjarne wrote Subway, Luke Besson's film, which I haven't seen. I think that's his I film. That's that like either. that's like pre-Nikita, I, I believe. I think I have that on DVD. I think it's somewhere in my in our basement here where me and um, our... this is revealing that we have some homework to do. Yes. Uh our sister Lily, she wrote Ratatouille. All right. And our lovely mother wrote Midnight in Paris. Well, 
good good lot, choices lot, everyone a lot, except... lot of lot of lot of midnight in paris <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna have to have words about uh taken and emily but everyone else very well done um Taken so does make of... does taken does use the french locations very well you know what else does what mission impossible yeah that's true <laughs> no no oh yeah 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 mission impossible six and yeah, and there's I think there's a couple of Mission Impossibles in Paris, isn't there? Um, just no, just the one. I think I don't know. If yeah, the, it's the latest one is the latest one. Yeah, where yeah they the latest skydive one. and they land on the fucking Quai d'Orsay or whatever. Um, yeah, and they have that really big like motorcycle car chase through Paris. That's a really good scene, actually. Speaking of car chases through Paris, Ronin uh, is not on our list, but um, it does is... have a great car chase. If we ever do car chases, top ten car chases, that film is yeah. definitely getting on the list. Um, another thriller we haven't mentioned is um, Frantic with uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, that's a really good film. Um, d- directed by um, uh, Roman Polanski. And um, it, that's a very uh, Hitchcockian film. And um, it's very exciting. And Jeffrey uh, uh, the, 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 uh, Lebowski, the other Jeffrey Lebowski, the millionaire, he's in the film as well. Yes, um, and um, well, no, it's just, it's 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 really good fun, and I feel like it should be more famous. But I guess, uh, you know, Roman Polanski. I'm an American, and I am crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of Harrison Ford, great Harrison Ford finger work in this film. So you find my wife. Um, you find this man. You find yeah. this man. <laughs> you find this woman. Um, <laughs> I um, I love it. Uh, another thriller we probably should have had on the list but isn't on the list because there's only room for 10 films is uh, the samurai with alain delon um is which a is a very 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 good film yeah but it's arguable that it should have been on here <laughs> um but um you know we we can't there's not room for everything yeah um, i also the the other film that i read that uh, that shows the sort of romantic two films that actually show the romantic side of paris one of them is uh paris Chatem. Yeah, Paris Jatem is is interesting. It's an anthology film with lots of little short films all set in Paris. I mean, it's probably the most, it's probably the Paris film to end all Paris films because it's just like fucking about Paris. Uh, yeah, from exactly. Lots of different angles. But it also shows the possibilities of the city because you've got romantic stuff in there, as you say. You've got comedy stuff. You've got um, more sort of drama spooky stuff as well. Spooky things. And then you've got um, uh, your uh, thrillery kind of things. It also shows Paris as a, the diverse and vibrant city that it is. So that's very yes. um, uh, commendable. And it also shows Paris as being full of Americans, which it also is. Um, yes. And the other, I, the other uh, film, and the other romantic oh. film is Before Sunset, which is the second film in the Before trilogy directed by Richard Linklater. That's true. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's so many fucking films set in Paris, aren't there? I mean, it's just, um, it, it starts to get a bit ridiculous. You've got Martin Scorsese's Hugo. It's uh, another one uh, that mm-hmm. pops to mind. Very good film. Funny um, Face. That's another one. Funny Face. Yes, Stanley Donnan's Funny Face. Um, also, uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's... Um, with the Dreamers. Bernardo Bertolucci films. The Dreamers, on the one hand, which is a very interesting film. And uh, a lot of scenes in The Conformist are set in Paris. Yeah, and also Last Tango in Paris, which I've not seen. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those films you got to kind of prepare prepare yourself for. Same with um, the film Irreversible, the Vincent Cassell and 
Monica Bellucci film directed by Gaspar Noe. Mm. Um, I just want to also make a quick shout out for the 1915 serial directed by Louis Feuillard called uh, Les Vampires, which is all about a crime syndicate in I Paris. really want to watch that because that's all on the um, that's all on the Criterion channel. Yeah, this basically this podcast turns into an advert for the Criterion channel, but you know they should sponsor yeah. us. <laughs> they should, they should. Um, yeah. but, but no, Les Vampires is fantastic, and it's all filmed like in Paris in 1915 during the war. I mean, it's just so cool to be able to. Um, uh, to watch this, uh, these these scenes. So um, you know, I, I think people should check. You don't. Have to, a lot of the films in that serial are very short. So um, yeah, you can easily export. Another yeah. short surrealist film um, that is that makes good use of Paris is uh, Entracte, um, which um, is mental. Um, yeah, really worth watching. Um, it's uh, directed by Rene Claire, and it's only. Oh, cool. um, only 20 minutes long but it's uh it's a it's a it's a da da thing so anyway um i have to uh go soon so should we move on with yes this? so at number five is the jacques tati film claytime which is uh one of his uh monsieur hulot films and uh, you haven't seen it have you no i've only seen the uh, monsieur hulot goes on vacation um so or mr hulot's holiday uh so that comes I before this this one yeah, yeah. So playtime. Um, I, I mean, I love Jack Tatty. So I mean, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch this at some point. Um, but what's it all about? It's basically it's 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 set over the course of a day. It's set in like this really retro futuristic Paris. So it's everything looks really mechanical, gray and cold, and it's like a very emotionally distant and kind of cold film in a lot of ways. But it's a, it's it's absolutely hilarious. There's some really like wonderful silent comedy screwball comedy kind of elements to it like there's like a 45 minute segment of the movie which all takes place at a restaurant that's just opening and like everything that can go wrong does go wrong and it's just absolutely funny and it's sort of making and it's sort of looking at it's there's so many different aspects of this movie that you could interpret it it's sort of like the 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 rise of technology and the rise of like consumerism and how we don't really value everything and like this like it's not there's a film that it's 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 filled with so many different like characters and monsieur hulot is in the film and he sort of gets dragged around all over the place and then you follow these american tourists who are being shuttled from one bus to the next and not really taking in their surroundings at all so it, it, there's a lot of sort of points that are being made it was a film that took a very very long time to be made and it was shot on 70 millimeter film and not a lot of cinemas had 70 millimeter projectors and this movie flopped hard and uh basically nearly kind of bankrupted him and um which is kind of a shame because it's it's a really well-made film and the whole the sets were built it was called tattyville i think i think if i'm not mistaken and um, it was it was shot between 1964 and 1967 and was released in 1967, 68, I believe. So it was like a really big, like, film that was being made, this big, like, epic film, because he wasn't sure if he was going to make another movie after this. This was going to be like his last film. And then I think he had to kind of kind of do more films, I think, just to sort of pay the bills that this movie sort of, you know, didn't really pay off that well. Wow. Well, it, it it's, fan it's, a fan I mean it's a fantastic film. And also, like... There's no real dialogue. It's basically just background noise and different kind of conversations meshing into one. So you could easily just like turn the sound off and just kind of watch it. And you could easily be able to understand what's going on. It's so well done. And the, and the cinematography is great. The sound design is really good. 
Um, sound design does remind me a little bit of the, has a slight like ethereal sound design. It's a bit similar to last year at Marion Bad, but not as like dreamlike. It's just like a very sort of like surreal world. It's like a mixture of Richard Linklater, Charlie Chaplin, Wes Anderson, and Terry Gilliam. Whoa. Okay. That's quite the, uh, that's quite the heady combination. Yeah. Um, but it's but fantastic. These, these comedians who like, I think about Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, always sort of driven to like bring this vision to to reality that ultimately ends up costing them <laughs> somehow, yeah. whether that's sort of financially or politically or just personally. Like, it's amazing the drive that these people had. Um, yeah, exactly. To, um, to not just stick to the same formula, but to sort of continuously explore it. It's such an interesting impulse. Um, but yeah, I've, I I really love the personality that he creates uh, with Monsieur Hulot. And, um, yeah, he's dressed like a uh, private detective, but he's not. He's just like a guy who's just lost. <laughs> well, I guess he's like the, he's the sort of, anti-Chaplin in some ways, where Chaplin is sort of short and baggy. Mr. Hulot is kind of pencil thin, tall and tight, you know? So he's sort of this visually, his silhouette is very, um, is very different from, um, from what's gone before, um, but very much, you know, conscious of being in that tradition of the comedic type, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it's also just like the film is making a point of how like technology is, is changing and how sort of old souls are kind of left behind and left to kind of navigate through a ever-changing world basically it's very well, it's well, a very which is which is, which is the chaplin's modern times as well i mean that's yeah, exactly. you know, as you say, that's exactly in that same or buster keaton uh does the same thing in um um mm. you know the cameraman so or, or other films so um yes so I, I i actually would very highly recommend uh playtime and i did write a little bit about the film on our blog so you should check that out definitely i call it the absurdity uh the absurdity and the mundanity of everyday life in jack city's playtime well now mr academic titles you yeah so at, at number four is jean-luc goddard's a boot de souffle a boot de souffle I, i'm not gonna say breathless. French. breathless it's breathless um which <laughs> uh john uh, in the beginning you're not good at french <laughs> so just don't try i'm so sorry i was doing i, I wanted to give it my all i was you would giving it your all could end up offending every one of our French listeners, including Alexi, who is French. Um, I'm I apologize for saying his name wrong. So and for filtering his language. <laughs> yeah. So the film uh, Breathless is one of the early and more influential films of the French New Wave, and it was directed by Jean Luc Godard. And Tarantino described Jean Luc Godard as like, you know, you know, Jean Luc Godard was for films what Bob Dylan was for music like him and Truffaut, they were like the big, the kings of like, uh, of the French New Wave films. Um, it stars Jean-Paul uh, Belmondo, who is just the definition of cool, and uh, Gene Seberg, who is just absolutely gorgeous in this film. Well, another definition of cool as well. Yeah, exactly. Just that scene where she's just walking, when they're walking together and she's just, it's that, that is such like, I feel like that is such like iconic picture of, of Paris in the early 1960s. Well, right, and it's, it's also that sort of, you know, thing about Breathless is, is it, does it have a plot? I mean, if it does, it's very loose. Um, it's really a film about kind of establishing a attitude, an attitude <laughs> and a mood and setting up a kind of a, a redefining cool for the for France in the 1960s. Belmont, who died last year, um, was kind of a, a one of a kind uh, personality uh, on screen. Um, it was. You know, the... Um, 
the, what's that? oh fuck what's the other one um that's really great that he's in with anna karina um oh pierre lefou pierre lefou yeah uh, lefou um that's he, a great film really really good film uh, i mean he's just he's just a magnificent one of my favorite bits in breathless is when he just he's he's standing outside the theater the cinema school fuck i just did an americanism um the cinema and he sees a humphrey bogart poster and he just goes boogie and i just love that as he's like smoking and sort of you know in some ways emulating bogart uh, in his performance um you know it's uh it's, it's an intensely sexy film without being like erotic or anything it's or you know overtly pornographic it's just he's he and gene seberg are just so perfect together and they're um unusually uh, uh frank um relationship for a film of this era is very refreshing and it, and it you know and it does you know when you watch this you think okay this is why they called it the new way because it's not like the films that are being made in america at this time where it's still like you know elvis and Anne margaret and you know it feels like hopelessly un uh with it <laughs> yes. and uncool in a way that you know america catches up in the late 60s and 70s and it feels like in some ways they're catching up to france um and using that sort of uh uh the the both the stylization of these films but also the the realism and way yes. of shooting you know the, the focus on locations and uh, and so forth that that makes these films so great so um you know it makes great use of paris must be said yes um, it does and um i think it's probably the ultimate paris and, and i you know, did i mention in our in our shout out by the way i should have said we could have done entirely french new wave films um, <laughs> yes. but we have done we have talked about others so i think in in place of breathless alongside breathless you could also put band apart um but or, we talked uh, about the, that the 400 blows as well the Truffaut film yeah which i haven't actually seen um Great i haven't film. seen Jules and Jim either but um band apart i would say you know speaking of honorable mentions should be in there but that was that did appear on a different list so we have done our you know yes. done right by that film but yeah this um is astonishing it is it's you know I think it 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 really does. You when you, it's not my favorite film of its type of, of its time, um, yeah. but it does feel like a. Uh, it feels like an important film. It feels like a film that changed stuff, and um, and uh, it's it's also just very very good. So um, it's sort of impossible not to 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 not reckon with um, with Goddard and with um, uh, with what he and his. Um, peers were doing which is you know like the movie the film school brats they were film literate young men who wanted to make films that were emulating their heroes but also films that were aware of being films so whereas you know the, the earlier generation just made movies as craft these films were sort of there was a meta element to them where there was you know um they were riffing on on previously set down languages of filmmaking and and that's something that has persisted but not um you know but but not universally and i think you know that's why i think it, it, tarantino likes him so much because he's one of the few people who sort of does that who think you know who winks at the audience in the way that that they do there's a lot of winking to the audience in pierre lefou Le, lefou yeah which has Definitely. a has a delightful cameo from sam fuller that's true yes it does yeah, yeah. god i forgot about that so at number three is the jules dessin film rififi which is a brilliant heist film from the mid to late 50s. And it is such a great film. It's basically the French, the it's the it's the French version of the asphalt jungle in some ways. Oh, well, yeah, it basically is. Um, it should be said that you did not uh, 
butcher uh, Jules Dassin's name. A lot of people think it's Dassin, but actually he was uh, American. Uh, Jules Dassin, he, was, he had to leave America because of the good old blacklist. So he ended up in uh, France for a while where he made probably his most famous film. And um, it's, it's really good. I mean, it is, a, it is as tense and as um, exciting as any, um, you know, as any black and white thriller of this era. And also um, is, you know, is just full of that kind of like fatalistic and sort of um, uh, heavy kind of morality that 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 weighs so much on um, on Sterling Hayden, both in the in the asphalt jungle, but also in in uh, Kubrick's The Killing, and. Yeah. Um, and and like it's just yeah I mean it it it's it's super entertaining it's uh, the this heist sequence itself is a study in in how to build tension and it's also speaking of you know wordless um, films it's um you know it's it, that whole sequence is entirely done in in silence so I mean I yeah. think if we were doing a list of top ten heist movies this would appear in there um, as uh, as well but it's um it's uh, yeah I. I you know what else what else can you really say about it it's just another one of these films that takes Paris as that kind of like urban slightly dangerous backdrop to um to an exciting thriller and and does it with aplomb yeah and stylishly too it's a wonderful film yeah I can't remember who did the cinematography on it um um, but it was um I'll uh look it up yeah, it also has that great musical sequence. Um, so it's not it's not as it's not sort of grim and bleak and kind of re- they also have a lot of fun with it. I mean, it was made in the in the nineteen you know in the mid nineteen fifties. So you know they they they're not quite fully in that kind of post um, new wave mode of being you know of really like trying to present this like gritty realism. It's uh, there's, there's, they still have managed to have some fun along the way, and it's marvelously inventive despite you know again obviously being very conscious of um, American cinema. Mm. It was uh, the cinematographer was uh, Philippe uh, Agostini. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if he was Italian because there's a number of Italians involved with. Uh... With that film, weren't there? Um, and mm. you know, Italy and France is a lot of cross pollination there, um, yes. in the film world, but yeah, no, it's uh, Rafifi's brilliant, another film that Tarantino talks about a lot, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing that film was also probably a bit of inspiration for Reservoir Dogs in some ways, much like in the same way, The Killing was also a, a, was a the Stanley Kubrick film as an inspiration as well. So, at number two is the Stan, uh, Stanley Donnan film Charade. Well, yeah, or as he with, would have called it, probably charade, with uh, Cary Grant, uh, Audrey Hepburn, Walter Matthau, uh, James Coburn, just an absolutely just charming, delightful, and exciting and suspenseful film. And um, it's basically a film that you think, oh, this is a Hitchcock movie, but no, it's a Stanley Donnan film. Yeah, it's it's about as Hitchcock esque as you could possibly imagine. Um, it's Hitchcockian. Yeah, and y- yeah, right. I mean, the thing is, right? Okay, a lot of people are probably going to be like, "What is this film doing at number at number one or uh, number two? Excuse me. Um, why on earth would you take this slightly silly, um, you know, uh, d- d- this American film, um, which uh, you know feels like a total throwback with a with with you know 
no you know not a, not a great amount of like filmmaking panache it's not an influential film it's not a revolutionary film simply because it's just one of our favorites i mean yeah. i watched this film as a kid um i feel like this film helped um we understand why uh old hollywood was was fun you know it is a bit of a throwback it is made in 1963 cary grant is getting on a bit this is one of his last in fact it might have been his last romantic lead performance i think um, this was yeah and um but hepburn's amazing um the, the whole cast you've got um oh george the, kennedy yeah. george kennedy thank you um and you've got you know you, you, you it's it's such a romp um but it's just i mean for two reasons i think it's on here one it's a it's like a quintessential paris film yeah uh, it is not like you know it's not like a lot of hollywood films set in paris like an american in paris or uh, the hunchback of notre dame where it's just a set and so you know that's why those films aren't in our honorable mentions list um you know the same is true of renoir's french can can you know it's 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 a pastiche of, of paris um but the, you know it's done on location they use the locations brilliantly just like in in funny face which stanley donnan also directed um mm -hmm. which also stars audrey hepburn um i did and, not know that yeah um with funny face uh, another of course another honorable mention um and um yeah no it's uh it's a it's a thriller about a a man who's um murdered uh audrey hepburn's husband uh, who's carrying the who was carrying the secret of where a huge stash of money stolen in the war was buried um and his old war buddies are trying to find it out uh and they're obviously a cast of characters and we mentioned james yeah Coburn and a lot of a lot of twists and turns and a lot of double crossing and uh it's a, it's all very exciting it was it was described as the best hitchcock film that hitchcock never made yeah it's also uh it uh has um uh the um endless cavalcade of um costumes uh for Audrey Hepburn's wears. I think she wears a different one in almost every scene. All of them designed by Hubert de Givenchy. Um, and I, uh, it is. It's just. It's a film that's done with a lot of tongue-in-cheek, uh, sort of. You know, again, not quite winking at the audience, but knowing what it's all about. Um, it's. It's just tremendous fun. I mean, it's also funny. Uh, Grant, you know, uses all his, you know, the tricks that he's been doing from over 30 years at that point to just like give a performance that's full of style and panache and fun and Hepburn is just like so you know she's been in Hollywood for a decade yeah. by this point she knows exactly what her mode is she's so delightful and they're so funny um and you know the rest of the cast live up to their jobs as well um yeah it's just it, it it's marvelous uh, and also yeah. i should say it, it due to like a legal flub it's in the public domain for some reason so you can pretty much watch this anywhere um, yeah and well they well jonathan demi remade it as the truth about charlie with uh, tandy newton and mark Wahlberg in 2004 don't watch that <laughs> just just ignore him when he says stuff like that audience i'm talking to you when i'm not says saying i'm not saying to like i'm not recommending it i haven't said it, apparently don't even bring it up <laughs> like, well out of the thing out of the films that jonathan demi remade the manchurian candidate that was fine mm. um in any case uh avoid mark Wahlberg at all costs uh but do watch this uh little gem from uh from 1963 it's a personal favorite that's why it's so high on the list maybe breathless is a better film of course it's a better film but Sharad is really, really good as well. And, mm -hmm. um, and I stand by my, I stand by my endorsement of it. <laughs>
Okay, what's at yes. number one? So at number one is uh, the film, uh, the French film from 1981 that you uh, recommend or recommended and. Introduced me to, and I actually do think this is actually one of my uh, favorite films. And it is the film Diva, directed by uh, Jean Jacques uh, uh, Benet, who sadly has just passed away. I know. Um, it is, um, it was in part prompted by uh, Benet's passing that we um, decided to make this list. Um, and because we knew that Diva would be number one, speaking of old favorites, uh, it's also genuinely i think a smashing film um, yes it is it is absolutely uh, a, a brilliant piece of cinema it builds on the french new wave it builds on um you know the modern cinema of the 70s and early 80s to to, to create this like colorful vibrant exciting vision of uh, a european city uh, at the end of the 20th century um and that is full of uh filmic references and little winks and little um tips of the hat and sort of slights of hand and it is it's it's like a sort of in many ways it's like proto Wes Anderson it's also has uh moments of feeling um you, you sort of almost Coen Brothers-esque um it has it, it, it's got this incredible cast of characters um the the, the use of music the use of 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 um locations as Location, well yeah you know it's it, i mean the it is the paris film in many ways um you know it uses the metro it uses the river it uses the the the, the cds uh, parking lots and and subways and 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 parks and and then you see the glamour of paris as well i mean it's just it's got a lot and um yes it's one of my absolute favorite films of all time it might be even be my favorite and yeah my friend adam uh agrees i think the thing about diva is anyone who's seen it becomes an evangelist for it and a bit yeah. like when you said with tell no one idea that it's not as well known as it should be beignet is better known for betty blue which admittedly i haven't seen um but diva if, i haven't either yeah if it's anything as good as diva it's one of the best films ever made diva's just so so good listeners listen to it i mean watch it <laughs> don't listen to it but listen to it because the soundtrack's great but watch it you won't regret it it's um it's fabulous. And it's it's so much more than just a thriller set in Paris. It is a yeah. tour de force, to use a, a French term. Yeah. And like Sherrod, it is also an extremely stylish and well, it's it's more stylish than Sherrod, but it's also very suspenseful and it has a very engaging um story that I actually keeps you guessing and also surprises you in many ways. Like there's a lot of twists and turns in it that's really quite like, wow, didn't see that, didn't see it going in that sort of direction. Yeah, but in many ways you're right to talk about it in terms of charade because it's it it basically if you took breathless and you added it to charade and probably sprinkled in something from every other film we've talked about including ratatouille because there's a scene in this film where they spend a long time talking about how to butter a baguette properly um it you get diva i mean it's a, it's it's yeah. an amalgam of every element that we've spoken about in the last you know in these 10 films they all feed into the, there's the romance of paris there's the grittiness of paris there's the diversity of paris there's the food there's the crime there's the the cars there's the glamour there's the 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 the, the you know the the under underbelly um and the and seedy all, side it all comes together it is um it is a terrific film and yes. um it is. I'm so, so glad that my French teacher uh, in school put this on one day and it changed my life forever. Um, 
and um yeah so uh so that's our list isn't it yeah let's just run it through really quickly so number 10 ratatouille number nine tell no one number eight voodoo safe from drowning number seven three colors blue number six elevated to the gallows number five claytime number four breathless number three rufifi number two charade number one diva hooray I mean, I will say this about Diva. I really hope someone like does like a restoration version of this movie, like just gets it and just like maybe does like a like a just puts it out on Blu-ray in some way now that like the director has passed away and actually just kind of celebrate that this is actually a classic. It's not just a cult classic, it is a classic film. I really hope like at some point it has like a newer version of on Blu-ray or DVD or or shown on some streaming service. Screen release, baby. That's where I want to see it. Yeah, I want to see it on the big screen. Um, and it's also a film I feel like it should be seen at film schools. I think I would, if I was at film school, I would definitely show this film. Well, um, hopefully someone will take notice. Uh, in any case, I have to go. So, uh, yes, goodbye. yes, au good au revoir, bon oui, because bon oui. go to work. Well, I mean, it's 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 night here, oh, it's a time difference. Yes, yes, bon oui to you, you little class. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's. Uh, uh, I'll. I'll see you. I'll see you soon for another one of these uh, top yeah. ten. Yeah. Do check out the other. other there. Sorry. Do check out our other top ten episodes. Um. Yeah. Follow us on the on the Twitter at Homes Movies Pod. I'm at Fabricius ninety one. Adam is Northampton Dane. We're both on Instagram. You can just type in our names and we'll show up. And you can also send us an email at homesmoviespodcast at gmail We also have a blog. And um, you can, if you go on our Twitter page, you can click the link tree link and it will take you to all the uh, directories where our podcast is available. So do check it out wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, Hot FM, stuff like that, whatever. Go, click the link and it will take you there. So, au revoir. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening. Yes, Paris will always be Paris. We'll always have Paris. <laughs> Here's looking at you, kid. Yeah, not a Paris film. Uh, well, I mean, apart from that one brief flashback. But, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, bye. Toujours Paris, la plus belle ville du monde. Malgré l'obscurité profonde, son éclat ne peut être assombri. Paris sera toujours Paris. Plus on réduit son éclairage, plus on voit briller son courage, sa bonne humeur et son esprit. Paris sera toujours Paris. Pour qu'à ce bruit, chacun s'entraîne, on peut la nuit jouer de la sirène, nous contraindre à faire le zouave en pyjama dans notre cave. On aura beau par des ucades, nous couper le veau et même le tchad, nous imposer le masque à gaz, les mots croisés à quatre cases, nous obliger.